Hi, welcome to Up With Moms, episode two. My name is Dana McKay, and I'm here with my friend Melissa. Hi, Melissa. Hello, how are you? Good, how are you? Good. Thank you for doing this with me today. So first, I wanted to tell you a little bit about how I know Melissa. Melissa is actually really good friends with my ex, and I have a 13-year-old daughter, and she spent a lot of time here in Maryland when I lived in Florida when she was up here with her dad. And Melissa was like a second mom to her, and I always knew when my daughter was just with her dad that she would have a mom that was around that could help with her and do girly things with her. So I really appreciate Melissa coming on to do this with me and all of the great things that she did for my daughter when she was growing up and I couldn't be around. So I'm really excited to do this. It's not a really exciting topic, but Melissa's daughter, um, we're not going to say her name because she's a little girl and we don't want to do that. But her daughter has been experiencing some bullying at school and social exclusion. And Melissa and I got to talking about this a couple months ago, and it was one of the conversations I had that made me think I really need to do a podcast because there's all these things going on and mom's doing big things to help and I want to talk about them. So Melissa, why don't you tell us a little bit about um, what your daughter's been going through and what you've been dealing with? So um, my daughter's in second grade now and we really started noticing things happening in first grade. Um, and let me start by saying my daughter is not like most children her age. She comes home and reports back everything. If something has happened, she tells me about it. We have a very open relationship with those types of things, at least knock on wood now. <laughs> right. So um, in first grade, you know, I started seeing um, there was definitely the, the kicking, the punching, the hitting. And it would happen during unstructured times. It never happened in the classroom. It was lining up for music class. It was at recess. It was during extended day. Um, in many of the cases, um, they were children that were dealing with some behavioral problems and, and so on and so forth. And the school got involved with those. And, and they seemed to pretty much nip those in the bud um, last year. The challenges came and, and the things that I was not ready for. Um, I was ready for if your daughter came to me to talk about these things. Right. <laughs> but I was not ready for my daughter to come home and say, Mom, you know, there's a group of four girls and they're telling me if I'm friends with this girl, they won't be my friend anymore. Or, well, she said she's my best friend today, but now she's I'm not her best friend because I won't do this. Um, and some of the things were even like not listening to a teacher or challenging to, to get in trouble. And I was like, wow, I, I kind of thought this would happen in fifth or sixth grade. I didn't realize this would happen in, in first grade. Yeah, it's crazy how young they are when all this stuff starts. And so it's, you know, it started then, um, you know, we had met with a teacher and, and it was towards the end of the year. Um, I'd started to reach out to some other parents. Summer happened and it's like, okay, we're going to have a better year this year. Um, and she has an amazing teacher this year, but we, we started off with school and it, things have escalated. So now um, this, it, it's called yo-yo friendships and it's, you know, I'm your best friend. Well, I don't like you. Well, you can't sit with us today. And, and it's one thing to be mean. Um, and that's kind of a, a slippery slope that I found is that a lot of schools will say and a lot of administrators will say, well, bullying, you know, that's just being meanness. We want to teach kindness. And it's like, well, there's a difference. There's a difference between being mean and, and that's going to happen. I'm sure that happens to you and I weekly. Right. Yep. <laughs> but when it's an organized, repeated effort by groups of girls or boys to purposely exclude a child that's relational aggression, and it is a form of bullying. That and a conversation with our daughter one night at dinner is kind of what got me to be more active um, for this. Obviously, I'm an advocate for my daughter all the time, but we were sitting at dinner, and my husband's the opposite of me. He figures everything will kind of work itself out, and I 
tend to be referred to as the helicopter mom, which I am a little bit. Oh, me too. <laughs> me too. <laughs> and we were sitting with her at dinner and, and she was talking about how a boy had, had hit her in class and punched her and the, and the teacher had dealt with it and he'd been sent to the principal's office. And my husband, I don't know what prompted him, but he said, honey, do you feel safe at school? And she looked him dead in the eye and said, dad, I don't feel safe at school. And I think it was that was the tipping point for us that we had to get more involved and we had to figure this out. We might not be able to stop it, but we can't just sit back and wait for it to work itself out. Right. Well, and I feel like too, with all the things that are going on with then school shootings and kids not feeling safe at school, it's that parents, especially at the younger ages, like she's in second grade now, this is the age where from the research that I've done, where most of the programs can be most effective because once they get to be in middle school and high school, it's a lot more difficult to alter their behaviors and alter the way that they treat each other. So what, what else has been going on? So once you decided to take action and go to the school and get even more involved, how has that worked out? Well, you're protective of your child, so you want to just go in and just like, we have to fix this today. Um, And that tends to be my mentality with a lot of the things I do for work. And I had to take a step back and say, well, who are the players involved in this? And how is this really going to take action? How are we going to actually make progress? And it really comes down to, in my opinion, it's, it's the parents, it's the school, and the school meaning the principal, the counselors, the teachers, and it's the child. And if all three of those points aren't closed in a loop, I don't see how there's ever going to be change. So we went in and met with her principal. She was very responsive, um, listened to what we had to say. They do have a bullying prevention program in place, and we talked about it. And I said, well, you did a bullying event for PTA meeting. It was at 7 o'clock on a Tuesday night. There's 12 people there. And in a school of over 600, that's not going to work. And so... And, and I feel like the parents that are coming to the PTA meetings are not the parents that need to hear what's being talked about because they're the ones who are involved. Right. And, and that's the case too. And, and I think it's challenging because you've got a lot of parents. You've got single parents. You've got parents that work. You've got some parents that work two jobs. You have some parents that don't work outside of the home, but they have three or four children. You have kids' activities, so on and so forth. You always... You know, you can't be at these things. I mean, I know if I look at the schedule of events related to my daughter's school, I could be at the school 30 hours a week. And that's right. just not It's possible. not realistic. No. Yeah. So I, I think where we've made progress, they've increased the number of lessons they're doing uh, with the students. And I think just making the teachers more aware. My daughter's teacher is, I call her a unicorn. She, she is so intuitive and she notices nuances. There was an article you had sent me about a teacher that had every Friday she would sit down and she would ask kids to write like who they'd like to sit with. And she'd do like a a graph to see who was being left out. And that would be a way she could tell where there were issues. And I had reached out to, I had sent the link actually to to Ever's teacher. Right. I think you would, you told me that you had already seen it before I sent it to you. So yeah, we're on the same page with this. (laughs) And if you want to see the article, I will post it on the Up With Moms Facebook page. So anybody that wants to read this, because it's really cool what this teacher is doing, can check it out. Okay, go ahead. And so, um, so her teacher reached back and said, I love it. She said, I can't do it every week, but I'm doing it once a month. And she's like, I call it a sociograph. And she sits down and she'll talk to the kids about who they want to sit with or who do they want to be their reading buddy or a, a similar translation to what that teacher had done. And that's where she looks for children that might be having some challenges or 
getting bullied or, you know, getting excluded, um, which has been great. But I, I think the the biggest thing for me is is getting more parents involved. And the school we allowed me to do a parent chat where we met with the uh, middle school counselor to talk about what are middle schoolers facing right. mm-hmm. and what can we be doing now as elementary school parents to prepare our children to deal with these things because we can't make them go away and it was really eye-opening it was a great conversation but there was only 12 people there and so I think what we talked about afterwards and again our principal has been great since the initial conversation and I, I really feel like she's a partner and she's like I don't have all the answers either like we need to work on this together but we've done a survey that is currently in the process of being shared out through additional social media accounts, PTA, principals, teachers, to get parents involved. Like, what do you want to talk about? Like, what's important to you? And when can you meet? Or do you need a conference call line? Or do, would a webinar be better? Or is it better to record it? The school had a safety meeting last night following all the um, things that happened down in Parkland last week. I think everybody's, that's very top of mind. Right, yes. And a lot of schools are doing this. And I thought it was great when I reached out and said, hey, can we record this? Because like... I can't go. I'm producing an event, but I really want to hear what's being said. Right. And they jumped on it and they recorded it and they're editing it now so they can post it. And so I think little things like that to get more parents involved. And I love that you have them sending out a survey to ask parents because while they probably can't show up for the meetings at the particular times, at least now parents are being given the option. Fill this out whenever you can, whenever you have the chance to send it back to us. And so then you can put all that together and find ways to get parents more involved when it's convenient for them or when it's easier for them. So, I mean, that's awesome. I love that you're doing that. Well, and I think another thing, and and this is a smaller grassroots approach that I think anyone can take, and it doesn't take a lot of time, is I started reaching out to the the parents I felt were safe, that weren't going to judge me if I reached out and said, are you upset about this? Right. Um, And I started with like three or four. And it turns out, their kids have been having problems too, but it's almost like something you don't talk about. Right. Well, I remember when you posted about it on on Facebook when it was just your friends, the people that you know, and you said, you know, I'm a little bit nervous to do this because I don't usually put my business on Facebook like this, but this is what's been going on. And you got a ton of comments and people messaging you because yeah, it's happening a lot. And I feel like parents don't want to talk about it. And a lot of schools sweep this stuff under the rug or they have to keep things quiet because of privacy issues, which I understand to a point, but yeah, parents need to know what's going on. But yeah, so we reached out after that Facebook post, I had like, I think I had 10 parents reach out to me just privately on text. Oh my gosh, like I've been having this happen too. And so we started making this kind of unofficial pact, um, and it's been growing and growing. Where Listen, if you see something, if you're talking to your child at dinner, and they say, wow, this little girl was really upset at lunch today because nobody would let her sit with them, or I saw her get hit on the playground, and the teacher dealt with it, but those types of things for me to know, and not that I'm going to jump on it and call the other person's parent, but to be aware of it. Um, and it's happened a couple times um, where going to extended day, like I got a text before I left saying, hey, I just picked up my kid and your daughter's crying and I saw it and here's what I saw. And so then when I'm going to meet with the extended day teacher, I'm armed with facts from another mom um, and we're kind of, we have each other's back. And, right. I, and I think there's enough mom shaming going out there right now. I know. (laughs) Yes. We need to help each other and not shame each other. Well, that actually kind of fits in well with an email that I got um, from my friend Liz, because I asked on Facebook for people to kind of share their stories ahead of time so that we could 
compare what's going on and kind of try to help each other out here. And my friend Liz told me that when her son was in elementary school, she was at the school one day helping out and she noticed a kid that was seeming, you know, like really sad and that something was going on with him. And she started talking to him and he seemed like a nice enough kid, but there was just something that she just felt was like, off with him and so she asked her son about him and her son said yet nobody likes him people pick on him and she said well why and he said I don't really I don't really know and she said you know my son's kind of a leader and I encouraged him to be nice to this boy and to be his friend and he went back to school and he decided this kid's going to be my friend and at first the kid was kind of timid about it like you know you've been other kids have been mean to me. Why do you all of a sudden want to be my friend? But he did it. And he told the other kids like, no, we're going to be his friend. And so eventually the kid warmed up to everybody. And this woman ran into um, the mom a couple months later and she thanked her because her son, you know, had drastically changed at home and because he was accepted by one other kid. And then this kid was willing to stand up for him that he, you know, was able to kind of make some other friends and, and gain more confidence and not go to school upset and shy and end up getting picked on. So I think that that cycle can kind of change. And sometimes it'll only take one kid who's willing to stand up to, you know, make the difference. And I think that's a big thing too, that a lot of the anti-bullying programs that I've looked into a little bit, that's one big thing that they say helps is that the kids and the peers also have to be involved too. So have you found any of that at, at her school? Have, have they been working on that at all with how the other kids can help? They do a lot about kindness. Um, there's a lot of focus on kindness and empathy. I don't know that that's necessarily cut through yet. I know just, again, grassroots approach. Um, I tend to be an includer. I tend to be the person that when somebody moves in the neighborhood, I take them cookies or, you know, I look for the mom that isn't invited to the different mom events and ask her to join. And I think by modeling that, I've made it kind of, my daughter wants to do that. Last year, she had started what was called the Frenzy Club. She came home. She wanted to do it. She wanted a logo. Um, okay, I work in marketing. So <laughs> yes. she, she wanted a logo. And Melissa made her a logo, of course. So we made a logo. <laughs> and we made keychains. And I said, I'll make them for whoever you want. And the whole goal of the Frenzy Club was to include people. So they would go every day and look for someone who was on the playground, who didn't have someone to play with, and try to include them to to play with them. And it... it was an ebb and flow. I mean, she was in first grade, you know? Right. Um, this year, they've been having some challenges with exclusion with clubs. So they've actually instituted a no club policy at the school Okay. Um, for that. So we've changed the name of it to the Frenzy Initiative. Okay. Um, and it's just kind of more of a remembering to look out for the kids that don't have someone and trying to find them. And I think there's a small group that are starting to do that more and more because they're pa- they're seeing their parents are doing it in the right. real world and they're being encouraged. Um, I also know that they're working on setting up a um, like a kind of a buddy mentor system where they get like fourth and fifth graders and I don't know the full details of it yet. I think it's still kind of a work in progress mm-hmm. where they're getting like fourth and f- uh, fifth graders that can kind of be on the lookout for the first and second graders, whether it's on the bus, whether it's in the classroom. Um, there was an issue where... Um, Actually, a staff member had raised their voice to my daughter during lunch because she had put something in the wrong recycling bin. And a fourth grader went to the principal's office and said, hey, there's this kid. It's a little girl. I think she's in second grade. 
and this had happened. And it was a total misunderstanding. He, he didn't mean to raise his voice, but, but the fact that somebody noticed it and went straight to the principal was amazing. And yeah. then I think the more that we can empower both the younger kids to look out for the big kids and the big kids to look out for the younger kids, all of that helps. With the kids that are excluding your daughter, what have the consequences been for them? Or how has the school dealt with them? It depends. Um, during the school day, they will pull out groups of, of students. So they'll pull out everyone um, and talk kind of one-on-one with the group. And then if they know that there's some bystanders or witnesses, they'll pull them out as well. I know my daughter's teacher is works very closely with the other second grade teachers to where she'll set up a meeting with them. Hey, we got to get this under control. There is not... It's back when I was growing up, if you did something like that, you'd be sent to the principal's office. Your parents would be right. called. Yeah. I, I think at a very young age, they could even spank you. Like, I mean, that's how long ago <laughs> <Yeah>. this was. <laughs> um, and so it's definitely more of a nurturing environment where I don't feel like there's always consequences. And, and there's two sides of the story to that. There's, you know, if it's your child that's doing the social, like you don't want them pulled out of class, but you right. want it to be fixed. So um, and that's something I don't think we have an answer for yet. I, I got another email from someone who said that her son was being bullied really bad. They were picking on him because of his clothes, because he wasn't good at sports, because he's short and just all these different things. And they were just constantly ganging up on him. And she said that they did end up doing a mediation um, between him and then the other kids. And she said that it did help because they got to know each other a little bit better. And the kids were pretty much told, you, you can't do this anymore. But there were really, you know, there weren't really any consequences or anything. And she doesn't even know if the parents of the other kids were ever even notified about it, which you want to assume that they were. But the schools are kind of, their hands are tied in some ways because they can't reveal that information to her. So one of my questions has been like, why can't we open up the lines of communication a little bit more? And are we doing way too much to protect the bullies and to protect the kids that probably need a little bit more help? And instead it's all kind of secretive. So that's one of the things that I don't like, and I don't know what the answer is, but that is kind of hard for me to understand. It's like, why can't the parents talk to each other or why can't everybody get together to resolve the issue? Well, and I think building on that, I think one of the challenges too is balancing if your child's having a problem and they're constantly going to the counselor, if your child's having a problem and, and uh, our school instituted like a lunch bunch type of thing where the counselor would have lunch, like a group of children and they do different activities and games to kind of try to figure out their differences. And I think it's good, and this is my opinion, I think it's good once or twice, but like if the child who's having the problems and who's being hit or excluded is constantly being pulled out, I mean, I know personally I have concerns that then that's going to hurt her even more. Like why is she being pulled out, you know? And so it's been a balance. And luckily the school's been responsive to me saying, listen, call me first. Like don't just start setting up lunch bunches and talks and all those types of things because I want to be involved and be able to monitor that. So you told me that the school recommended um, some books for you to read. So you want to tell me about those? Sure. So um, the first book, actually, I found myself. um, This was I was looking for this was last year. I was looking for books on Mean Girls. 
And if you Google it or go on Amazon, you'll find a thousand. I mean, there's so many books on bullying and, and girls being mean, but so many of them talk about it at the middle school and high school level. And I was looking for something specific to elementary school. And so I stumbled across this book, Little Girls Can Be Mean, Four Steps to Bullyproof Girls in the Early Grades. And it is so great. I've gone back and I'm rereading it and rereading it. And it can be it can be for parents, for counselors, for teachers. And it really talks about breaking it into four steps, you know, observing your child and being more present. And I think that's something that a lot of us probably are guilty of that, you know, you're, the phone's ringing, you're starting dinner, you get a work call late, you're trying to do laundry and your child comes home from school. How was your day? Oh, it was good. Okay, great. And I found that when I've talked to other parents, that's the time. Well, my kid doesn't open up to me. Right. And this book really talks about getting at like, who did you sit with at lunch today? Who did you, you know, play with at recess? What was the most challenging part of your day? Really trying to ask the right questions so that you can get some answers back. So observing and then trying to arm them with self-confidence and and some skills that they can use. Not that as a helicopter mom, I'm feeding her, but things she can use. Like how, what would happen if, um, and this is something, a lot of these themes are also things that our school counselor um, agreed with and was like, yeah, instead of saying, you know, why don't you go talk to her and tell her to stop being mean to you and do that, which is our instinct because we just want to fix it for them. But instead saying, well, what would happen if you just played with someone else tomorrow? Right. What would happen? And letting, leaving it open-ended so that they can fill in the blanks. Um, They're a lot smarter than we give them credit for. (laughs) Right. Yeah. Oh, that sounds really good. So So it's called Little Girls Can Be Mean, Four Steps to Bullyproof Girls in the Early Grades. And I will post a link to that at upwithmoms.com and I'll put it on the Up With Moms Facebook page. And it is on iTunes, um, the the audio book as well, which has been my savior because I can listen to it when I'm in traffic. Oh, yes. (laughs) One of my favorite things to do, listen to stuff in traffic. And the other book was actually um, recommended by um, a middle school counselor uh, in our district who came to our school to speak and it's called how to raise an adult break free of the overparenting trap and prepare your kid for success um and i was like hmm that's really interesting and and the way it was kind of set up is that you know there's so many children that they're in college and they don't know how to do laundry or they don't know how to like balance a checkbook or they don't know how to do these basic skills and this whole concept that you know overparenting and over scheduling and we're doing too much for our children so that's where it kind of started Um, But it talked about how you can raise a child to be a more productive adult and be more secure. And um, and so I've been reading it. I'm not done with it yet. Um, And there's some things I agree with. You know, my daughter's on the younger end, I think, of of some of the the stuff it recommends. It definitely comes from more of a free range parenting lens. You know, you should let your child walk to the park by themselves. You know, don't call the school every time your child has an issue with another classmate. And I think there's an ebb and flow to that. Right. Um, I think this is maybe on the other end of the spectrum where I am. But I also think this came from the lens of things are different now. There, There were consequences and punishments. And if a child hit another child, they were probably expelled oh, yeah. for the day yep. like I when had, we were little. Yeah, when I was in middle school, I had a couple of bullying incidents where I was actually the bully. I was picking on a girl. Me and this boy ganged up on this girl. And I ended up getting a blue slip and had to stay after school. And I don't even remember what I lost or, you know, what happened to me. But I know that I was punished and I did not do it again. So I think, you know, that's what I feel like used to happen. 
to kids and most of us were kind of fearful of our parents and fearful of losing privileges or just being yelled at by our parents and disappointing them. But yeah, it's it's different now. Well, and you have social media, you have the internet, you know, I know your daughter has handled very gracefully some issues um, with, with kids bullying her and, and doing stuff via Snapchat and, and Instagram and and I think this book doesn't necessarily take that into account. Okay. Um, so, um, but it is an interesting read. And, and one thing that came out of it is I had been wanting to do for a year, a couple of years, do a chore chart and start giving my daughter more independence on like, if you forget your iPad for school or if you don't pack your snack, you don't have a snack. So I have pulled things from it. Okay. But like anything, you know, you have to, you have to do what's right for you and, right. and everybody has different situations. Everybody's children are different. Um, but, but I did think it was an interesting approach, but I was, I was getting a little it. taken aback by, yes, yeah, yes. Well, because one of the things you said to me when you told me about the book is that it kind of explains the school's kind of philosophy on, you know, what some of the problems might be stemming from, which could be over parenting and calling the school and, and almost getting like too involved. But yeah, it's, it is an ebb and flow thing and you have to do what's best for your child. And we obviously have a problem with bullying and it's starting young and it's getting worse and worse and worse as they get older to the point where we have a lot of teenagers committing suicide and then and we have school shootings and a lot of those kids if you look at the history those are kids that were ostracized isolated and it kind of turns into an awful recipe for you know with the violent video games and whatever else they're doing access to guns not having good parents and then the next thing you know you have all these school shootings but I think that one of the things that I think about as far as you know yes we need more gun control and yes we need all these different things in mental health counseling but we also need to include people and not and make sure that people aren't isolated to the point where they become that enraged and angry that they want to go and kill their former classmates there was actually a story that an author shared um she's written some of the some passages for the chicken soup for the soul books and she shared a story about her family and she said that her brother was a very sweet kid when he was little but he had Tourette's and he was a weird kid and he was picked on and then isolated and just for years and years and years always bullied, never had any friends, nobody wanted to play with him and this went on until he was, you know, until he was an adult, a young adult and he ended up trying to kill himself and then he ended up killing their mom and she said, you know, I think that if my brother had been included and loved by his peers and treated well, that this probably never would have happened and that people aren't born hating others. They learn it from somewhere. So where is that coming from? Well, and that's interesting you say, you know, where are they learning it from? And, and this is something that I've had numerous conversations with other parents about and also with the principal and, and with my daughter's teacher is, is the modeling of behavior. And so it, it was this whole discussion, which I agree, like if you – if you're hosting, oh, I don't want to invite the the Myers family. Oh, I don't, I don't like her, and and your your child hears that. Um, so when you're talking, even if they're in the other room, they hear those things and they see your actions and they see that. And so I, I try to be the best parent I can be and, and be the best role model I can be. And I'm not perfect. I make mistakes all the time. But it was interesting because I was talking with another mom who has a daughter who's also in second grade. And her daughter had been both on the bullying side and on the recipient side of, of relational aggression and bullying. And she is the nicest person, always includes people, 
has never had any type of tone or attitude and her husband's the same way. And yet she's like, I don't know how this happened. Like, where did I go wrong? And I'm like, well, you didn't go wrong. Like she could have learned it from another kid at school or right. because she's shy, she's more impressionable. So that's not the only thing. I think, I think what we're getting at is there's so many factors that go into this and parents being present and, and observing and being involved in, in the way that they can is the first step. Right. Well, and I think it's just, it's another case of it takes a village and not just it takes a village to watch your kid when you have an emergency, but it also takes a village when there are kids. Like I, I've said this before to friends when we're talking about this is that I feel like I kind of live in a bubble where I just assume that all parents that I, all parents are good parents and all parents are involved with their kids and we all care about what's going on. But there are a lot of kids who have parents that don't care and they're not treated well at home and they do have all these other issues going on and then that um you know and then that affects their behavior and then sometimes those are the kids that end up being bullies and having issues because of how they're treated at home so we can't just say oh blame the parents it's the parents fault these parents are terrible we kind of have to figure out what can we do for those kids that aren't being treated well at home whose parents aren't going to be involved whose parents don't care what's going on because we can't just leave them to do whatever they want and you know we have to kind of put this village together where we are making sure through the schools and through our kids being nice to them that we take care of each other yes I totally agree and and I think those types of situations whether it's a temporary situation um, whether it's a divorce or an illness in the family or some type of financial woe I think the default is well she just doesn't spend enough time with her child or, right. well, they're not present. They need to go to more PTA meetings when it really, I feel like should be like, how can I help? Like right. if you see somebody struggling or you see a child struggling, reach out and offer to help without judging. We both did a little bit of kind of research on what types of programs work and what types of anti-bullying programs um, don't work. And what I found, and I don't know, Melissa, if you found this too, but what I found is that the programs where they just have a big assembly and maybe do a couple little skits and hang up posters that say, be nice to each other, that on the elementary school level, that can kind of help a little bit. Um, but in middle school and high school, those types of things can actually inspire more bullying if the kids are bullying and they have that mindset they go to an assembly and they think it's funny they're disruptive because it makes them feel uncomfortable and then they're just gonna you know lay on the kid that they've been picking on even more and so one of the things that I write about that some of the programs try to do is that now they're telling teachers when we do have these assemblies and you know who the kids are that are being bullied and who the bullies are, you got to really watch out because sometimes these type assemblies where they tell everybody, oh, we have to be nice to each other. That's just going to egg them on to do it even more. There is a program called Kiva or Kiva. I don't know how you say it. It's K-I-V-A that was actually started in Finland. And this is um, a program that UCLA did this huge study on. And they found that of all the different programs that they've tried to look into, that this is the one that seems to be the most effective. Now, this is happening in Finland. It's a different country, different set of circumstances. But this is what these UCLA um, researchers said is that they've had a lot of success because it's a big program where they have training in each school for school counselors, principals, teachers, and other kids who learn to kind of be, um, learn to help when they notice things because the teacher can't always have 
his or her eyes on everything. So when you involve the other students and make them advocates for the other kids in the class, that that can really help. And they also do a lot of one-on-one mediation where it's not just one meeting, but it's a continual round of sessions where they continue to um, have these kids interact with each other so that they can really kind of try to not make them necessarily friends, but to get them to treat each other nicely. So I think that that's a really good thing. And my friend actually works at a high school, a magnet high school in Connecticut. And I was talking to her about this the other day. And she told me that they've had a number of suicides at that high school. And so the more that's happened, the more they've really been like, okay, what are we going to do? And how are we going to work this out? And she said that the mediation has actually helped a lot with kids who are, you know, complete enemies, can't stand each other, one picking on the other all the time. And through the mediation, some of the kids have actually become friends with each other. And she said, it's been really cool to see how that's helped. And she says, you know, I wish that other schools could do what we've been doing because it's worked. And if it doesn't work, the kids are expelled and they can't come back to the magnet school anymore. And so that's kind of how they're trying to work with it. And I thought that was pretty awesome because most of the things that I've read have been like the programs don't work and it's still happening. And I, that's what I've heard from a lot of parents too. The things just don't work and the school can't do enough to make it stop. Well, and I think you hit too the nail on the head with, with reaching children early. Yes. From everything I've read, it looks like, and, and, I come through a lens of, of elementary school, but I, I'm scared to death of middle school and high school. I'm yeah, going to be calling you daily when I get to that point. Yeah, it, and I don't know how I'm going to help you because it hasn't been easy. But from everything I've read, first and second grade are kind of they're figuring things out. And so a lot of times the, the social exclusion, um, and this does not include when there's severe like kicking, punching, those types of things. Those things come from a lot of other places oftentimes. But the, the social aggression and the, the yo-yo friendships, kids are trying to figure it out. They're trying to figure out who's the alpha, what's, what's their place right. in the class. And so it doesn't necessarily come from an evil place or a malicious place. It's just people are trying to figure things out, but it still hurts feelings. Right. So first and second grade is really when doing these lessons and talking about things and pulling out the group of students and having the conversations and sending an email to all parents if there's been some kind of a secret club going on where kids have been excluded, which we got the email a couple of weeks ago. And of course I called and went, <gasps> right. please tell me if my, my daughter was not involved in this. And no, 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 she wasn't. But those types of things, because once you transition to third grade, that's when these things are actually starting to come from malicious places. Not always, right. but from everything I've read, that's where it actually starts to be real. Okay. And then as you get older now, you know, there's a lot of fourth and fifth graders that have phones, mm-hmm. iPhones. Oh yeah. They're on social accounts, whether or not they're fake ages or, or what have you. And, and the game just starts getting escalated. It, it's overwhelming. And my husband and I actually did a podcast on screen time on my other podcast, Married on the Mic. And we talked about screen time. And one of the things I said is, Make sure that you control that when they're young, because with my daughter, who's now 13, we definitely have created a monster. And I know that it's all the other kids, too. I know that she is not the only one who is so addicted to the phone and always on it and all the things that they're saying to each other. I mean, we I have no idea. And we think that we kind of controlled it up to a point. But she is also entitled to her privacy to a point, too. So I'm not going to be that mom that's sitting there going through her messages. And we're still trying to figure out how to handle all that. 
because you don't want your kid to be the one kid who doesn't have a phone and then she's left out of everything that's going on. But you also don't want your kid buried in their phone all the time and also getting into things that they shouldn't be getting into or having kids saying things to them that you don't want to be said. So yeah, I definitely would say for parents to keep them away from the phones and social media as long as possible, but it's, it's inevitable now. And there's a, there's an interesting campaign that I'm not sure if you've heard of it, the wait till eighth campaign. No, I haven't. Um, it's really interesting. We can put a link uh, on the Facebook page. Um, it was brought up actually at this counselor meeting with, the, with middle school. Um, one of the parents had brought it up because um, a couple of the other middle schools in our County uh, we're taking it and it basically it's it's an initiative for parents to say I'm gonna wait till eighth grade to give my child a phone oh wow a, a smartphone mm-hmm. you know some parents for safety and security sake they want to get like the little flip phone throwaway phone right that, that's but like a, a smartphone that's basically a computer in your child's hands and with our social media accounts and I find it really interesting. I'm not sure that I'm going to be able to hold out that long. Right. But if there was a group of parents that all supported each other and you could get some traction, it's something, it's an interesting thing to think about. That is interesting. So that is the wait till eighth pledge. And like Melissa said, I will post a link to that on upwithmoms.com. And I'll also put a link to it on the Up With Moms Facebook page. I also wanted to tell a story about um, a high school girl, um, a friend of mine, her daughter, started having a lot of really bad bullying issues. And as we know, as from what we've talked about, it's much harder to stop the bullying and to, and to intervene once kids get to high school, which is why starting young with all these programs and doing what we can when we're young is so important. Her daughter was being bullied at school and the kids were making fun of her because she kind of has the emo style and she wears black and the type of music that she listens to and she was just isolated and picked on and she started cutting herself and then she ended up having to check into like a mental health program and her mom was going to the school saying you know why can't you stop these girls and it was just kind of a handful of girls that ended up facing no consequences and the school basically told her she can go to another school. We'll transfer her to another school. But how do you know that's not going to happen again? And what about these girls? You know, why should the victim have to leave? And I don't know what the answer is. And thankfully, um, she was able to get some mental health counseling and she's now being homeschooled and she got approved to do whatever they have to do to be homeschooled because she just, I mean, she just couldn't go to school anymore because it was so bad. Um, Thankfully, now that she's not having to go to school anymore, she's feeling much better. She has some friends outside of school. She's, you know, kind of back to being her old self that she was before all this happened. But I think the important thing to realize is that this is happening all the time. So we have some statistics and I was a little bit shocked by some of this, even though I probably shouldn't be. 28% of students in grades 6 to 12 have experienced bullying. 30% admit that they've bullied other kids. 70% say they've seen bullying in their schools. And 41% say they see it on a weekly basis. Suicide is the third leading cause of death among young people. About 4,400 deaths per year. And half of those it's believed they are a result of bullying. So that's 2,200 kids a year suicide because of bullying. Bullying victims are between two to nine times more likely to consider suicide than non-victims. 10 to 14-year-old girls may be at an even higher risk for suicide, 10 years old. It's just, yeah, this is why we need to intervene when they're in elementary school because by the time they're 10, they're, they're already thinking about that stuff. 
And then nearly 30% of students are either bullies or victims of bullying. And 160,000 kids stay home from school every day because they're afraid of being bullied. Well, and and related to suicide, suicide suicide-related hospital admissions, I found uh, there was a a recent NBC News post um, that was sourced by the CDC and the Pediatric Academic Societies. Suicide-related hospital admissions nearly doubled for children from 2008 to 2015. More than half are ages 15 to 17, but 36% were 12 to 14, and 12.7% were ages 5 to 11. It's unbelievable. That there are suicides in elementary school from, it's just, it. It's yeah, heartbreaking. It's, yeah, it's 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 unbelievable. Like we're kind of just speechless over here because it's not easy to talk about. Um, but we have moms like Melissa who are going into the school, getting involved, doing research, and really looking into how can we fix this and what can we do. And from the things that we've talked about, it seems like getting involved when they're young is a big thing. Um, mediation and having it just be everybody involved from peers you know the other kids teachers principals school administrators and parents we welcome your stories you can contact me upwithmoms at gmail.com you can go to the up with moms facebook page i'm on instagram at upwithmoms upwithmoms.com there's actually like a little comment box or a submission thing and you can be completely confidential we can't we might we might not want to mention your story in an upcoming episode but we won't use your name and we will get your um get your permission before we do that but i feel like there's probably a lot of parents that haven't really told anyone about this that maybe it is going on and there's kind of some shame associated with that i mean nobody wants to say my kid doesn't want to go to school because he or she is being bullied or my kid no one wants to play with my child on the playground or my kid didn't get invited to the birthday party or my kid didn't get invited to the sleepover that all the other girls are doing which I know you guys faced a while back yes we did and so yeah it's happening all the time and let me ask you this before we wrap things up what are you doing with your daughter when she comes home and she's feeling kind of down because all this stuff has happened? It depends. I mean, if she's really upset, I just sit and hold her and cuddle her until she calms down. Um, But we've kind of created, um, I call it our safe space. And we go in the bathroom and we shut the door and we put the fan on. And for some reason, it makes her feel better. And I sit on the floor with her and we just talk. And, and I let her talk. Um, I usually try to find a story. You know, I was bullied as a child and, and I can, I can tell you all the names of the girls that did it too. Right. Oh, me too. And, I have a lot of memories. <laughs> and so I usually try to tell her a story that I feel like kind of relates to what she's going through. Um, I bite my tongue and bite my tongue to not tell her how to fix it. Right. Um, I then bite my tongue and bite my tongue to not call the other mom. Right. Um, if it's something that, that I feel like she needs to handle herself. Um, and if it's something that I feel like is serious enough that it does need to be addressed. Um, What I've started doing is saying, why don't you reach out and talk to your teacher about it tomorrow? And then I'll send an email to her teacher. Okay. And what happens then is her teacher is ready, prepared, has a little bit of the background and then creates a safe space at school for her. And that, and that seemed to really help. Okay. And I hope she continues to be open with me. And yeah, I feel like with my daughter, 
sometimes it's been a little bit difficult to get her to talk. But if I really say, you know, I know something's going on, what's going on, then she'll then she'll talk to me or she'll talk to her dad. So keeping the communication open with your kids, especially starting when they're young, is going to help you because I think she and I have always had pretty good mm-hmm. communication. So keeping the communication open, especially when your kids are young, starting at this young age and then moving, you know, through middle school and high school when it gets even tougher is a good thing. So do you have anything else, Melissa? I think we're good. Thank you so much for talking with me. Yes. Thank you for coming on Up With Moms. And everything that we covered will be posted on the Up With Moms Facebook page or on the um, upwithmoms.com website. Thank you so much. In my next episode, I'm going to totally switch gears here and talk about something that's miraculous and very exciting and uplifting and fun. A woman reached out to me after she heard my first podcast and she was a surrogate for her friend. And she she wants to tell her story about how she was able to bring life into the world for her friend who couldn't have any more children. And she is super sweet and her story is amazing. And I've always kind of wondered about surrogates because most people don't know a surrogate and, you know, don't really know anything about what that's like. But as a mom, I was thinking to myself, wow, like to carry a child for nine months and you probably can't help but feel somewhat bonded and then to hand the baby over to someone else even though you know that's what you're doing you know I want to know what that was like and so she is going to come on with me and we're going to talk soon and then I will let you know when that one is available so this is up with moms I am Dana and thanks for listening